Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Kingdom Rock Radio. Now, here's a sample of today's program. So he presented his body and his blood there at the communion table. And as you eat and partake of his body and his blood, as you commune with him, that binds the enemy all around you. As you partake of his supper, as you partake of his table. Well, bless the wonderful name of Jesus, everybody. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to conclude the series entitled From Lambs to Lions. Today's subtitle is Look Who's Coming to Dinner. We're going to talk about the table of the Lord and so much more as written right there in Psalm 23. So sit back, relax and buckle your seatbelts because we're going to dive into the rich word of God. Well, as you know, we've been in a series uh, for the last few, I don't know, month, month or so. Um, They're entitled From Lambs to Lions, From Lambs to Lions. And we're going to continue that series today. And we may just conclude it today. I'm not sure. We'll just have to be led of the Lord. Amen. All right. We'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 23, Psalm 23. And uh, we're going to just read Psalm 23, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of recapping, uh, because this would actually be part number, uh, actually five, part five, but for recording sake, media sake, it is part number four, because one of our parts uh, during the the, uh, st- the storm damage did not uh, record. We could not get one of them recorded. So we're actually here. Uh, it would be five, but we're on four. All right. Uh, Psalm 23, when you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, let's pray. Uh, We've already prayed. Psalm 23, verse number one says, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. I shall not want. Want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear what? No evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Well, this morning, we're going to really just zoom in on verse number five. We've been doing an extensive a bit of work here. And of course, we in the way of recapping, we understand that all the blessings here in Psalm 23 are all built on verse number one, all built on verse number one. Understand also that this is a highly prophetic psalm. It's highly prophetic. It speaks of end times. It speaks of current times. Uh, it, it speaks to where we live right now. This is happening in our lives today. And if we can simply just glean the truths from God's word, you'll see how it will transform and revolutionize your life if you would allow it to. There are hidden nuggets and riches here in Psalm 23 that have been by many overlooked But today, uh, by the wisdom of God and by the revelation of his spirit, we'll be able to get into this and interpret it and see wonderful blessings. And of course, we say in verse number one, it all starts in verse one, how it says the Lord is my shepherd. We understand that uh, we have to get that relationship correct because this is a shepherd sheep relationship. 
meaning that he is the one that we are following. And we, uh, we understand that uh, a disciple is a follower of Christ. Sheep follow the shepherd. We are the Lord's followers. We are his disciples. We have to get that settled. He is the head and we are those that follow his lead, his leader, his leadership or rather his leading. And uh, we follow his authority. We submit to him. That must be settled beforehand. He is in control. He says, yes, or rather he says, go and we just go. He says, jump, we jump. Uh, he says do and we do. Uh, and here again, it should be normal for every born again believer uh, to give their total and complete lives to Christ. It should be, let me say that again, it should be normal for every born again believer, every Christian in the broad sense uh, to give uh, Christ our total and complete life. That should be the norm. When you speak about a Christian, when you speak about a churchgoer, it should be the normal. The normal thing should be to give Christ, to offer Christ your entire life. But unfortunately, many times today, that is abnormal because many want to put only one toe into the water and keep everything else out. But here again, uh, what the Bible says here, the Lord is shepherd. He is our shepherd. That is, he's the teacher, the leader, the guide, the director. We follow his path. We follow his leading. So again, it should be normal. It should be a normal thing for us to bow at the feet of Jesus and give him all. Give him all the worship, all the praise, all the adoration, all the exhortation. That should be a normal thing. Are you hearing? So that being said, verse one says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And we talked about that. And then, of course, it all goes all the way down. And uh, we were there in verse number four on last week talking about the valley of the shadow of death and how we, we understood. Now, I wonder if you can see this or not. I don't know. Maybe you can. These are some images uh, that I've drawn uh, this morning that I prepared before you got here. Um, that I have prepared for you. We understood the valley of the shadow experience. We understand the valley uh, talks about uh, two mountains or two hills, one on either side of you. It is a shadow, the shadow, which means that there is a light source because you cannot have a shadow without a light source. So there must be a light source that is present, uh, but the hills or mountains are so high that it's blocking out uh, the rays of the sun or of the light source. And it is causing uh, darkness or a shadow uh, in the valley. Here's Fred there in the valley once again. Now, I've also drawn the same picture here, but I drew it a little, little bit bigger for you to see it. There is Fred in the valley uh, and he is covered in uh, a measure of darkness, covered in the shadow. Now, we understand here that the Bible says that we are walking through. It says, yea, though I what? Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We understand that this walking is forward momentum. It is movement. And in a true valley experience, you, you only have three choices. One, to go forward, keep on going forward. Uh, the other is to stay where you are in, the le- in that level of darkness. Or third is to do what? Go back. In a true valley experience, you cannot go left or you cannot go right. Many times when we get into danger, we try our best to get out of it. But in a true valley experience, you can't get out of it. You're going to have to go simply through it to the other side. 
But also, if it, if it is a true valley experience, there are rewards that are waiting for you on the other side of that. There are rewards waiting for you if it is a true valley experience. Are you hearing? All right. So we see here, uh, let's go back over verse four one more time. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no what? Evil. Now you're going to make a note of that uh, because this relates directly to verse number five. He says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Now let's go into verse number five today. I'm very excited as we speak from the subject of uh, look who's coming to dinner. Look who's coming to dinner. I want to give special thanks to the house family for preparing this wonderful table table before uh, you today. And uh, it is very lovely, very nice to decorate it. Let's give God a hand of praise for them and thank them for fixing this up for us. That we have a uh, illustration as to what's happening. You may not know right now the importance of this table, but you will just very shortly if you stick around with me. Are you hearing? So it says, Let's just break this verse out part by part. There are three specific verses here, rather actually four uh, parts in this verse. One talks about the table. The other talks about the enemies. Uh, The third talks about the anointing oil. And the fourth talks about the cup. All are specific and are related to you directly. If you miss out on any of these, you miss out on a tremendous help for your own life. Are you hearing? It's like someone giving you the keys to the car, but if you don't understand how to start the car, what good is it to you? So what I'm trying to give you today by the power of the spirit is to convey to you these keys that will bless your life right here and right now. And that will extend also throughout eternity. So please hear. So verse number five says again, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We're going to talk about that. Now, first of all, we hear, we see the very first word here is thou. Who is the thou in this case? We would say, right, thou is Lord. And in the context of the scripture, Lord also is who is what in what essence or, or what manner do we see the Lord? We see him as shepherd, right? So the thou here is speaking of the Lord, but more specifically, he's speaking of the shepherd relationship, shepherd, sheep relationship, thou, Lord, thou, shepherd. He has done something. Well, what has he done? Now, what we're about to see was not, he did not God, the Lord, the shepherd, did not commission angels to do this. He did not commission men to do this. This is something that God himself is doing. The shepherd, Jesus Christ himself, is about to do something for you directly. Now, once you understand, before we go any further than this, you've got to understand the very, the very power and essence of that. Because God knows you specifically. And he knows what you need specifically beyond any other human being on the planet. We're all very different. Our fingerprints are different. Uh, our smells are different. This is one thing that I just, I just, it just floors me every time I think about it. That, that, that even your smell is different from any other person on the planet. 
when uh, authorities want to hunt somebody down, they'll use some of those canines, those bloodhounds or what have you. And they'll sniff an article of clothing, something that has your scent on it. And that hound will go through hundreds or thousands of people until it gets to you. Because nothing else, nothing else on this planet has a smell like you. Take it like you want to take it. Nothing else has a smell like you do. You own you. All of us have our own unique smell, our own unique perfume, our own unique fragrance. Amen. Amen. And God has made us all uh, individual, all, all specific. So there's something that is specific that he has for you. Now, grab a hold of this. So it says thou preparest a table. Let's stop right there for a second. He prepares a table. Now the word, the word preparest is very, it is very prophetic indeed when it says, um, now when it uses, the Bible uses the word preparest, which means to prepare. It means to order. It means to ordain. It means to furnish. It also means the word prepare also means to make ready beforehand. To make ready beforehand for some purpose, use, or activity. To make ready beforehand. Uh, I love that word, the, the, uh, the first part of the word um, prepare, that, that word pre. Uh, pre, of course, we know it means before. Any of you ladies ever preheat an oven? Right? You don't put the cake in there or the biscuits or the frozen pizza in there. Uh, you know, before you preheat it, I suppose you could, but it, it's not going to turn out right. I know that myself. <laughs> you should always just ask my children and tell you it was it wasn't a very good day. You have to preheat first, get the oven ready first. And then when it is ready, then you insert the food, the biscuit or what have you. You're going to cake or whatever have you. Right. All right. God said, I prepared a table before you now understand something. We just left the, the valley of the shadow experience. We were just in there. Hear me. Now, this is a true valley of the shadow of death experience because we were in something that is so tight and that was so dark, that was so terrifying, so frustrating, so agonizing, agonizing, so stressful, so worryful. We were in this place where we could not see our way out and understand something. Again, in the valley of the shadow of death, it is dark and you cannot see the light source. If you're in a valley of the shadow of death experience, a shadow, a shadow is caused by some opaque object that uh, that hinders the light from coming through. So in the valley of the shadow of death, you cannot see the light source and God is light. So we've just gone through a traumatic experience and oftentimes we could not see God. We could not see how he was working. We could not see how we were going to make it through. So that means that often we can be depressed. I mean, just aggravated. Uh, we can go and in just into deep, deeper levels of depression and not knowing what to do. Not knowing what to do, but at the same time, we know that his rod and his staff are with us and that brings us comfort. And so now we've been faithful to continue to walk with the Lord. Remember the walk, the word walk there in uh, verse number four talks about a, a lifestyle of forward motion. We were faithful to continue to walk with the Lord and not allow and not allow the darkness uh, that is around us to stop our forward momentum. 
Now, it says, I will fear no evil. Still recap just for a moment. I will fear no evil. We understand that fear has a very paralyzing effect. Fear is extremely paralyzing. Once you once you hear the doctor's the, 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 the doctor's bad report or or uh, once we see the bank account or when we or feel as though that things just won't work out for us and we just get upset. We uh, just nothing seems to be working out right when that happens for many a church churchgoer. They stop going to church when they can no longer see the blessing of God. They stop going to church. They stop reading their Bible. They stop praying and Remember, all of that is walking with God. They stop interacting with God on a regular basis. Once stuff really begins to get bad, it really gets dark, and they stop walking. But here in Psalm, Psalm 23, this individual was still faithful to walk with God, even though all hell was breaking loose all around their lives. Even though nothing seemed to be going right, they saw no fruit or little fruit of their labor. And many times they wanted to throw in the towel, but they didn't. They continued on. Sometimes they even honestly wanted to curse God and just die and just give up. I can't get no talking here. But they were faithful to stay, to stay with God. And, and through it all, now they have come out of the valley of the shadow of death. Now, what you see here in this drawing here, I have a lot of these little red dots surrounding this person there in the valley of the shadow of death. That is the evil that is surrounding, that was surrounding this person while going through that experience. Because it says again in verse number four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The evil was present. And sometimes you cannot see evil either, but you can, you can feel it. And you know it's all around you. And it's a bunch of negativity. I don't know about you, but sometimes negative people, my God, negative attitudes, I'm allergic to it. I'm allergic to it. Sometimes I'm all right and I can do it, but I'm telling you what, but when my, when my cup is overflowing, I have to stop and pull away. And I'm telling you that in this new season, you're, there are going to have to be some relationships that you're going to have to cut off and cut away. There are, there are some that you will just frankly have to cut off and cut away. You have to prune away so that the rest of you may bloom and blossom and grow. Oh, you're hearing. I mean, it's not night always. The sun has got to come up sometime. Are you hearing? All right. So all this is negativity and all this is the evil that is surrounding this person as they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, again, when we're in darkness, it is sometimes difficult, if not impossible, to see the evil around you, but you can feel it. Until you walk out in the light and then you find out that everything is revealed in light. Everything is revealed in light. So now what was hidden in the darkness of the shadow as we walk out of the valley of the shadow of darkness, as we walk out of that, now we're in the light and now we can clearly see the enemy that was invisible. Rather, the evil that was invisible. And in verse number five, it no longer calls them evil. It calls them enemies. Because now they're clearly seen, they're clearly revealed to you. 
Oh, you understand? So it says that here again, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now we're going to go over this. Again, prepare means to set things ready beforehand. There was a table set. There was a table furnished for you while you were still in the valley of the shadow of death. That says that God knew that you were going to make it out of there, even though you didn't know that you were going to make it out of there. There were times when we were weeping and we were whining, we were complaining, we were belly aching, and we didn't know it. There are times we wanted to stop. There are times we wanted to go back. But God still says, no, no, I'm setting things in place for you because I know that you're going to make it out of this. So he preordained some things. He pre-furnished some things. There was a seat already ready for you. He didn't make the table when you got out of the valley. No, the table was already set for you when you came out. It was already prepared for you. This is a prepared thing that God has designated for you and only you. There is a place at the table that God has set for you. Because you have endured this struggle. You have endured the disappointments. You have endured that and you have walked through faithfully with Christ. So the Lord said, I've got a place prepared for you. A place that God himself, Christ, the Lord, the shepherd has prepared for you in advance to your arrival. So he does not just set this up. Oh, they made it. Oh, okay, well, let's put things together. Let's put things together. No, he already knew that you were going to make it out, and he prepared a place for you at the table. Does that make sense to you? So he prepared a place. He prepared a space for you at the table. He says, again, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Now, the word table here in the uh, Hebrew really denotes a king's table. A king's table. And that's the place where decisions are made. It's a, the table is a place of fellowship. It's a place of communion. It's a place to build intimacy at the table. So you're on one end of the table and the Lord is with you also at the table. This is the king's table. This is the shepherd's table. He has called you up to feast with him. He has called you up to dine with him. Isn't that wonderful? Now, notice he said he prepares the table uh, before you. He said, thou prepares a table before me. Say me. Now, the word before uh, implies in front of. That is when you're walking out of this experience, there's darkness behind you and there's a table ahead of you. Darkness behind you and a table prepared before you right in front of you. So you're just going to simply walk into the blessing. Now, here's another prophetic word. I pray that you're hearing. There are things you've been you've gone through a lot of traumatic experiences. You've gone through a lot of changes. You've gone through a lot of heartache. You've gone through a lot of pain. But yet and still you have endured with Christ. You've continued to walk with him. And as a result of your faithfulness, he's already set something up for you and you're going to walk walk right out of the darkness and right into what God has prepared for you. Are you hearing that? Now there is not one single thing that this person that, that us, that we will have to do to inherit that nothing to inherit the table. There's nothing. All we did was to continue to walk with him. 
and he has a prepared place for you. Now, let me tell you this as well. There, you will find many prepared places that God has for us all throughout this life. They are sprinkled in all throughout this life. This prepared place, the devil cannot take it from you. No one else can sit in your place. As, it, as, it, as, it, as that saying goes, what God has for you, it is for you. This is a place prepared before you. It has your name on it. God has already foreordained it to be so. Now, now I want you to notice something here. He says, thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, the phrase there, the phrase there that reads, in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, this is, that tells you, that tells you really the mood of what we just read. Let me read it again. It says, thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, the, the phrase in the presence of my enemies is actually in the, in the, uh, the Hebrew tongue. It is, uh, the word is, uh, sarar, sarar and sarar means, I love this. It means to bind. It means, um, be in distress or cause distress. It means to, uh, to be bound. It means to tie up or to shut up. Now, let's go back and get this because this is really important. It says, again, thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, which says that whatever God has prepared on this table, when you sit down and begin to dine with him, it will cause your enemy to be bound. It will cause your enemy to be shut up. It will cause your enemy to be tied up. This, what you do here at God's table, as you feast with him, as you dine with the Lord, as you fellowship with him, as you commune with him, it is binding up the enemies. And understand something. What was hidden from you in the valley of the shadow of death, what you could not see, the evil that you could not see, now that you come into the light, you can clearly see that it is an enemy and that you see that these enemies, that these enemies are around you. And just before we begin to get afraid, God says, sit down and now eat and look and see that all of your enemies are now being bound. All of them being tied up. All of them are being, they're being uh, enchained all around you. They're in distress as you dine with the shepherd. Does that make sense to you? Now, this is something that happens. This truly occurs. Uh, And one would say, okay, we can go back and say, okay, well, let's define who the enemies are. The enemies, of course, were the evil that we found that we felt there in the valley of the shadow of death. The evil that was there. Now in the light, we can clearly see what they are. For some of us, the evil may be lust. Or rather, the enemies may be lust. It may be worries. It may be doubt. It may be fear. It may be uh, lack. It may be some sort of addiction. Or it may be a bad relationship. It may be low self-esteem. And of course, of course, there are people that can be enemies. They can be your haters. I'm not sure if anybody has any haters around you. The moment you get something new, oh boy, they really crank up on you and start hating and hating on you. You don't like it? Go buy one yourself. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Are you hearing me? You get a promotion and then, then you've lost your friends. Oh, say goodbye to your haters. No, 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 no. Get them three snaps in a circle. You know, I ain't got no time for y'all. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Got no time for that. There are haters. Your enemies are your haters. But let me tell you, the most dangerous enemy that you have is the one that's on the inside of you. And as the old proverb, as the old proverb says, if we can conquer the enemy on the inside, the enemy on the outside can do us no harm. If you conquer the enemy on the inside, the enemy on the outside can do you no harm. Understand that you can be more destructive than the, uh, to you than the devil any day. Amen. I can't get no talk. So what's God, what is God serving at the table? What is he serving at the table? Uh, there's some chicken dumplings over there, some fried tomatoes, some yams, some cornbread, mm, some tuna surprise. Mm, I don't know. But the Bible is very clear, I believe, what it actually is that is on this table. But whatever's on this table will bind the enemy as you partake of it. What is on the Lord's table? What is on the Lord's table? Where Psalm Psalm, um, 104 verse 15 says this. It says, and wine uh, that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine and bread which strengthens his heart. Think about that. The Lord's table. What's on the Lord's table? Well, you're right. It is bread and wine. It is the communion. It is the Lord's table. The communion, the Holy Communion. You can read more about that in the book of uh, Matthew, the 26th chapter, uh, about the Lord's communion, the Lord's supper. As the Lord foreordained you, he knew you were coming, so he presented his body and his blood there at the communion table. And as you eat and partake of his body and his blood, as you commune with him, that binds the enemy all around you. As you partake of his supper, as you partake of his table. Now, we understand that his body is the word of God. So as you partake of the word of God, you are binding the enemy. That is the lies that the devil thought he could spin on you, the lies he thought he could tell you. Now that you're hearing the truth, his lies are being bound out. You won't even hear that anymore. He is being, in effect, shut up or shut down because you're now hearing the truth of God's word. As you are feasting on the lamb, as you're feasting on the word of God, it binds the enemy. As you feast on the the wine, his blood, uh, on the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the acceptance of God, the righteousness that he has provided through Christ Jesus, it shuts the enemy down when he wants to come to you, telling you that you're not about this or you're not about that. You old filthy sinner, you're never going to be anything. You know what you did. No, but God's righteousness speaks far more than everything that the devil's doing. So as I'm taking, as as I'm drinking the blood of the lamb, as as I'm partaking in his righteousness, it is shutting the enemy down. It is binding him. Does that make sense to you? This is highly prophetic. This is highly prophetic. So he says again, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The devil's there, but he can no longer touch you. These enemies are present, but they can no longer touch you. 
You are now feasting and dining and you're in a safe place with the Lord. As long as you are dining on his word, you're, you're feasting, you're feasting on the lamb of God. All these things remain bound around you. But when there is an absence of these things, the enemy is then loosed. Does that make sense? When we are not feasting, when we are not present at the Lord's table, all the enemy is loose. Everything that was loose there in the valley of the shadow of death that we could not see remains loose on the outside of that. Which means we could go back through the same traumatic experience again. Unless we dine at the Lord's table. Are you hearing? We must dine at the Lord's table. Here again. So you don't, if you don't want these things loose in your life, then you must dine at the Lord's table. You've got to stay in his word. You've got to stay in his word. You've got to stay in fellowship with him and communion with him. For an example of that, we can see how the children of Israel, as long as Moses was with them uh, there in the, in the lower part of the mountain, they were fine. The word was in fact with them. Moses uh, being God's messenger was the word for that hour. And as long as he was with them, everything was fine. But the moment he went into the mountain, the word departed from them. No, no, they no longer commune with the word. What happened? The people just went crazy. They built a golden calf. They began to dance around it. They got into idolatry and all sorts of other things because the word was then absent from them. And we know this as well uh, when the word, which also implies authority, when the authority is absent, the children run crazy. I remember when I was in school, when the teacher walked out the room, oh, Lord, no telling what's going to happen. Spitballs are flying and everything else is flying. But when she walked back in the room, then order came back into the room. What happened? Was that mischief? Did it just go away? No, it was bound. Amen, amen. It was bound. It was bound up in the heart of the child. When the authority came into the room, it was bound. Didn't leave the room, it just bound up so that it could not do the things that it was doing when the authority was not there. So as long as you remain at the Lord's table, remain in his presence, that foolishness will be bound in your life. But the moment you get up and start doing your own thing, it is loosed. I hope you're getting this. Amen. We're coming to a close. It says, thou prepares the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Oh, and then it says, uh, the second part of this, thou anointest my head with oil. Also highly symbolic. And it talks about you right here and right now. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Now the word, the, the literal translation of the word anoint here or anointest means to make fat. Yes, it does. It means to make fat. Yes, we're pumping the stomach, but no, not the fat there in the belly, not on the body, but it means to make fat. That is, I'm going to increase you. I'm going to increase your size, increase where you are. Everything about you, I will increase. I will make fat. I will make wider. Not talking about hips. Make fat, make prosperous. His anointing makes fat. It makes prosperous. Okay. He says, I will anoint your head with oil. Now, let me give you just five things that oil is used for as we begin to close. That oil is used for in the Bible because all of these are true. Here again, we just come out of this, uh, this traumatic experience. God has prepared a, a table before us. And uh, 
and we're sitting down and we're dining with the Lord and we're noticing that our enemies are being bound. Uh, that is, we notice that we no longer have a desire to do those addictive things. We notice that, hmm, I don't lust that way anymore. We notice, hey, I really don't like you. You are a really negative person. I really don't like you. I, I'm going to cut you off. I'm beginning to notice these things around me. These things that were so deceptive, these things that were hidden all around, these things that I could not see now that I'm in the light now that I'm on the at the Lord's table now their mouths are being shut and now I see them for who they really are so the Lord has dealt with your enemies he's dealt with your enemies and now he begins to deal with you and me isn't that something now, there's a reason for this, because as we look forward, as we look further in here, we, we will see a great abundance. We will see great increase. And listen, you don't want to experience great abundance and great increase and great wealth unless your enemy is bound. Because if he's not bound, some of those old thoughts and some of those old words and those people that can come and talk to you, oh, sweet, and say, oh, baby, all of those old words and all that that tripped you up before, uh, if the enemy is not bound, they'll come again and, and uh, take from you, take the wealth that God has put into your hands. So the Lord has to, first of all, deal with your enemy, and then he deals with you. There are five things, let me give you briefly, five things that the anointing oil um, does in the life of a person. Number one, uh, back in Bible times and possibly sometime today, uh, culturally, uh, it, it was used, the anointing of oil was used in hot climates uh, to anoint the body to protect it from excessive, uh, um, to ex- uh, from excessive sweating or, or, or perspiration. Uh, and if oil, or rather if perfume uh, was placed in the oil, mixed in with it, it made the person feel invigorated and, and refreshed. And it protected them as they, as they went back out on their journey. So first of all, the oil is used to uh, protect you from excessive uh, perspiration or excessive sweating. As they say on that commercial, never let them see you sweat. <laughs> so God says, I'm going to put something on you that will allow you to stay cool under fire. The first thing, oh, that was a good clapping point there. He said, I'll put something on you that will allow you to stay cool under pressure, cool under fire. The second thing is, uh, one reason, another reason for anointing, uh, the shepherd would anoint the heads of the sheep uh, with the oil. Because what would happen is that lice and other small bugs would get into the sheep's wool and they would eventually make their way from the wool up to the sheep's head and they would begin to burrow their way into the sheep's ears and eventually the sheep would die. And many times they wouldn't, uh, they, sometimes they would die from the bugs uh, burrowing, burrowing to the ear. Other times the sheep would just make themselves mad. They would run into rocks. They would butt and headbutt the rocks trying to get this feeling or sensation out of their ears. So they would be bleeding all down their face trying to butt against the rock to try to stop this, stop, try to stop this internal thing that they are hearing. They're hearing. So the shepherd would anoint them with oil and the oil would, the oil would, would cause the sheep's wool to be slippery. And so the bugs would simply slip off and the sheep would be fine. We know that these bugs are things also symbolic of demonic spirits. When the oil is applied on an individual, those demons, those words just slip off and they can't get into your ears. Amen. Amen. They can't, their words can't get into your ears. 
You wonder why folk are crazy in church, why they keep head-butting each other, why they keep butting up against each other. They got some demons in their ears. They need to be anointed. Are you hearing? The third thing is, of course, we know in the New Testament, the anointing oil is used for healing. Anointing with oil in James, the fifth chapter. We also know that um, anointing is used in the temple of God. The anointing is used in the temple of God to uh, sanctify the holy utensils, to make things holy, to separate them for God's use only. And, of course, the last thing uh, we can say here is that the anointing oil was also used to... um, promote kings at the ordination of kings and those in authority. They were anointed, which means that God's empowerment is coming upon you. His presence, his spirit is coming upon you. His blessing is coming upon you. This oil also symbolized God's favor and his approval for your life when the anointing oil was applied. Now, all of this is true. Now, grab hold of this. Once you get up from the table, as God has bound your enemies, then he anoints you with oil. And this oil keeps the demons away. This oil refreshes you. This oil restores you. This oil is a symbol of God's approval. But most importantly, it is a sign and a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God upon your life. So he's equipping you for something, for a divine calling. He's equipping you for a divine calling. So you've come out of the valley of the shadow of death. You've eaten at the table. You've been filled with God's word. You've been filled, filled with the lamb's body, filled with the lamb's blood. So God said, all right, you're ready now. Get up. And he begins to anoint your head with oil. He pours the oil upon your head and it runs down your head, down the beard upon the entire body, which also says that not only you are anointed, but all those that were, that are connected with you will be anointed. All those that are submitted under your authority the anointing flows upon them and then as God has set you apart with the oil the very last part of this verse then begins to make sense the very last part of the verse says he says um thou anointest my head with oil my cup runs over my cup runs over the phrase runs over means to saturate which means what was in you, what God had been pouring in, into you secretly, now begins to come out in great amounts. What he has been pouring into you and pouring into you and pouring to you, he has now poured an excessive amount that you can no longer contain. And now what God has put in you is now pouring out of you and the world finally begins to see who you really are. The enemy begins to see who you really are as you're walking down the road. His blessings and favor just go all around you and all over you and people cannot help but notice you are God's chosen. And you'll notice too in the New Testament, as the, as the Bible calls Jesus Christ, Christ means anointed, anointed one. As God anoints you, you become an anointed one, a chosen vessel that God can use. And now he pours into you and pours into you in such a great degree that it just overflows into your life. The presence of God overflows into your life. The cup is a symbol, uh, the cup symbolizes this earthen vessel, the human 
human spirit. As God pours into you, into your human spirit. The Bible declares also in the book of John, I believe the seventh chapter, that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's an overflow of the Holy Spirit. And so you'll see as a result, miracles, signs, and wonders, and a great refreshing, not only to you, but those that are connected with you. You'll see great deliverance and great change as God takes you through this pattern of events. And then finally, in verse number six, surely you will experience goodness and mercy all the days of your life. And you will eventually dwell in God's house, in the house of the Lord, forever. Forever. So in this next stage, you've got to dine with God. You've got to dine with the Lord. You've got to dine with him. He's summoning you to dine with him. To dine with him. To eat of his flesh. Drink of his blood. He's summoning you to dine with him. To eat that word. To eat that word. And meditate on the righteousness that he has provided. That's what we're talking about by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Yes, the Holy Communion as well. Yes, you can take the communion. But on a daily basis, you need to be digesting his word, getting his word, meditating on his word and meditating on the righteousness that he has provided for you. When the Bible calls you a saint, it's not just saying that you're it's not saying that you are that you are now perfect. But it is saying definitely that you are being perfected in this earth today. Amen. Dear Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the opportunity that you've given us to gather around your word today. Lord, I pray that your people have received your word, that they have heard your word, and that you will continue to uh, feed them your word so that they may grow and develop and multiply in you. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.